This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit, in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest, and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest hosts and presenters, the former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and the Honorable Morris McTeague, QSO. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable. Good morning and welcome. It is Saturday. In just a few days, we shall be commemorating the 78th anniversary of D-Day and the Battle of Normandy and pay tribute to America's heroes, the greatest generation and those who came from far and wide to defeat tyranny and restore freedom to Europe and the world. This weekend on America's Roundtable, in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting and Supertalk Mississippi, we're delighted and honored to be joined by Cheryl Chumley, a great American patriot and a principal leader advancing the rule of law and America's constitutional principles. Cheryl Chumley is a best-selling author, commentary writer, podcast host, and the online opinion editor for the Washington Times. In addition to writing daily commentaries on politics and speaking, Cheryl hosts a twice-weekly podcast that looks at news, politics, and culture from a Christian conservative perspective. It's called Bold and Blunt. She's an Army veteran and also a licensed private investigator. Her book, Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall, takes a look at how socialism seeds are planted and spread in America and what patriots can do to fight for our individual freedoms. And her newest book, Lockdown, the socialist plan to take away your freedom, released just a few weeks ago in May 2022, a bestseller and a must-read for every American concerned about the future of the republic. If you have not secured your copy, we would encourage our listeners to place your order of Cheryl Chumley's new book, Lockdown, via Amazon or visit your favorite local bookstore. And on this note, we extend to Cheryl Chumley a warm welcome. Good morning, Cheryl, it is great to have you back on America's Roundtable. Welcome, Cheryl. Oh, good morning to both of you. It's always great to chat with you both. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl, your excellent and timely book, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom, you share about how Democrats, progressives, globalists, collectivists, socialists, and Marxists rushed to assert their command and control authority over people. And I quote from your book, They rushed to reset entire economies and whole political systems to usher in a time of total top-down global government control, using the coronavirus as the jumping point, selling the coronavirus as a danger that must be controlled, and positioning themselves as the only ones who can control the danger." And in your recent piece published in the Washington Times, titled Democrats, socialists, globalists, segue COVID fears into climate alarmism, you warn us about this new danger. And based on our experience with COVID lockdowns, we can only imagine how would climate mandates and lockdowns look like. 
Cheryl, could you kindly share your observations about these dangerous developments and your message to our freedom-loving Americans? Well, uh, first off, my message to freedom-loving Americans is that if you think that it's going to automatically return to a time of pre-pandemic normalcies, then think again, because the left is not going to allow the fear used to exploit uh, the coronavirus to justify clampdowns on individual freedoms. The left is not going to allow that to disappear. And some of the bigger perils that we've seen out from this coronavirus is the piggybacking of the fear that was used to exploit the pandemic to justify clampdowns is now being sort of segued into fears of other things so the left can continue its lockdowns. We just, uh, in recent news, we have the monkeypox out there, which if you look at the real data behind the monkeypox, it's really very limited in who it impacts. Uh, there aren't that many cases in America. Uh, the fact is that most people who do contract monkeypox recover on their own without any medical treatment at all within two to four weeks. And here's the politically incorrect uh, truth about it that you're not supposed to say, is that it mostly affects men who have sex with men. So that's something that the left really doesn't want hard on because as we're seeing in the media, along with the leftists and the medical bureaucrats in the Democrat Party and in the global governments, they want to drum up the hysteria about monkeypox uh, as, a, as a way of continuing clampdowns on freedoms. And one other quick uh, note that I saw in recent weeks was in the journal uh, Nature, there were a couple of scientists, so-called scientists, that came forward and pen this piece drawing a direct link between environmentalism and viruses. And their logic was this, that the more humans develop land, not just in America, but around the world, the less land that is for animals to occupy. So animals are going to go to uh, new places. They're going to move to new places, which is going to put them more in contact with humans, which in turn is going to make humans more vulnerable to catch the viruses that these animals carry. So their conclusion is we need to take immediate, now, right away, immediate steps to stop climate change from occurring, which again leads back to this whole radical green movement to regulate all human activity. And last week, Cheryl, some 2,500 elitists from around the world gathered in Switzerland with an agenda to find solutions to what they consider as challenges. They talked about COVID-19 as an ongoing pandemic. While we all know that in America we have entered an endemic phase and the war in Ukraine that they talk about as well as climate change. And in your excellent book, Lockdown, you include a statement from the founder of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, issued in June 2020. And I quote, there is good reason to worry a sharp economic downturn has already begun, and we would be facing the worst depression since the 1930s. But while this outcome is likely, it is not unavoidable. To achieve a better outcome, the world must act jointly and swiftly to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. Every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil and gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism." Unquote. 
And the elitists that are meeting in Davos and on other places are really out of touch with America's hardworking, decent individuals that are paying their taxes and investing in the new generation. Cheryl, what are some of the other schemes of the Davos platform that Americans should be concerned about and those that are pushed and driven to control the commanding heights of our economy? Well, I'll give two quick ones because I paid attention to Bill Gates in particular at, at Davos. And I paid attention to him because in his most recent book, which coincidentally came out on the very same day uh, lockdown came out, his book is called How to Prevent the Next Pandemic. And the title grabbed me because, of course, Bill Gates was the one at the policy forefront of clamping liberties in America. So if he's written a book about how to do more of the same for the next emerging virus. I think it's incumbent on all who love liberty to at least take a glance at the book. So I bought a copy of it and I read through it. And it's interesting to me that some of the very same things he was saying that the world players need to do in order to so-called prevent the next pandemic, which is very arrogant if you think about it, because how can a human prevent a pandemic, right? But anyhow, some of the very same things that he was saying we need to all do are the exact things that I warn about in lockdown that the left is going to do. One recommendation that he makes in his book is that governments of the world ought to create this sort of rapid force, this rapid uh, response force that anytime news of a virus springs anywhere in the world, that this force of select medical bureaucrats will converge on the area and then quickly assess the situation and advise uh, governments and medical bureaucrats on how to contain the virus. This sounds suspiciously like laying the groundwork for more clampdowns on liberties, for more shut-ins and, and mandates mandates from governments to stay at home, stay out of work, close businesses, and so forth. And then when you add in that, that the World Health Organization, because of Joe Biden uh, proposing an amendment to their regulation, that the World Health Organization may actually soon have broader powers in order to declare um, health-based emergencies, the impact of how these global elites are partnering to deem any virus they want to a international threat and then to put themselves at the helm of dictating how we should deal with that threat that's a frightening scenario for americans and one other quick uh, note about what came out of davos bill gates once again talking about how to prevent the next pandemic he sat on a panel with people and there were other panelists uh at Davos also discussing similar type medical advancements, government tracking, using technology to assess whether, for instance, somebody took a required medicine or to assess where uh, free citizens walk in order to keep track of those who are healthy, who come across those who have tested positive for a certain virus. This is massive government surveillance under the guise of contact tracing, under the guise of protecting not just American citizens, but citizens of the world from any type of emerging health threat. 
And surely we see a handful of individuals who are asserting tremendous powers through money and influence, which are disrupting our U.S. Constitution, separation of powers, and affecting our government of, by, and for the people. And in your book, you mention a few names, and among them are Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates. And you mentioned that Bill Gates provides over 50% of funding for the World Health Organization. And also in your book, Lockdown, uh, you talk about incestuous relationship of Bill Gates and pharmaceutical companies. And among others, you say, for Bill Gates, and I quote, he's an egomaniac who masks his egomaniacal tendencies as philanthropy, taking full advantage of all the cushy tax advantages that come with leading a foundation as he pushes policy into governments around the world. Don't believe it? go back in time to the Justice Department's antitrust suit against Microsoft, the company Gates co-founded, and the deposition that showcased the then-CEO's utter contempt for, well, anyone and everyone. Cheryl, could you kindly share your thoughts on how do we protect our U.S. constitutional republic from such unelected political and public policy influencers? Yeah, see, that was the big peril for two plus years under this coronavirus, right? We had people who were unelected, unaccountable to the people, dictating policy, all while they raised their hands in the air and said, well, I'm not dictating policy. That's up to the politicians to do. But when you have people like Bill Gates, who funds the World Health Organization and who visited the World Health Organization to sort of pressure the WHO to declare the coronavirus a pandemic, and then you have those people in charge of how politicians deal with policy going forward, supposedly to protect citizens from adverse health impacts, that's where our freedoms crumble. That's like you just pointed out, Natasha, our constitution sees great threats and perils. And the way American citizens can fight this is to never again allow medical bureaucrats to dictate or to pretend like they're not dictating all the while they are dictating dictating how we deal with our own personal health decisions. In America, it's up to the individual to determine how he or she best cares for his or her own medical treatments, along with those of, of his or her family. It should never be that the government is in a position to force American citizens to take this certain precaution or to get this particular shot in their arms. It always has to come back to individual choice. And that starts with fighting back on the fear. And next time a pandemic rolls around, to at least critically think about the guidance being issued by our bureaucrats and not allow left-leaning politicians to take those recommendations and, and push them forward in terms of dictates and executive orders. This is where our freedom of speech becomes so significant. And freedom of speech has been in danger around the world for a long time. However, it is very concerning that the freedom of speech has been significantly eroded in America today. And in your book, Lockdown, you mentioned that at least 83 governments worldwide have used the COVID-19 pandemic to justify violating the exercise of free speech and peaceful assembly. And you also quoted President Joe Biden's statement in April 2021 when he said, and I quote, No amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Nothing, nothing I'm about to recommend in any way impinges on the Second Amendment. Unquote. 
Cheryl, how do we protect our rights defined in the Bill of Rights, which are the first 10 amendments to the U.S. Constitution, including the freedom of speech and the right to bear arms? Well, in this country, the idea of American exceptionalism is rooted in the fact that our rights come from God and government is only there to protect and maintain and preserve those rights. But in recent years, Americans have turned away from God, grown more secular, fled the church, left the pews every Sunday empty. And this, by no coincidence, has created a void that has allowed big, bigger, biggest government to come in and leave their footprint and to exert controls in areas where they have no right to exert controls. So you ask a key question, but there's no easy answer. There's You can go to the ballot box and you can vote people in who respect the Constitution and understand the concept of liberties coming from the creator, not from government, but there's no overnight solution. The real long-term success for America and America's liberties as founding fathers envisioned them is for the church community in America to reawaken to the fact that they have a proper role, a rightful role, and a crucial role to play in the secular world as well. We can't have Christians We can't have those who understand Judeo-Christian principles standing by the sidelines and letting the secularists run our political world and our culture, because this is what happens. We lose our liberties. Cheryl, the Washington Times reported that Democrats in Washington are now pushing a new command and control bill that would create a new FTC unit dedicated to monitoring and analyzing crude oil, gasoline, diesel, home heating oil, and other petroleum distillate markets to ensure transparent and competitive market practices. And the bill which passed in the House will be voted by the Senate during the second week of June. And rather than its restoring American energy independence, Joe Biden and the Democrats in Washington are pressing forward to creating yet another bureaucratic entity and weaponizing it to punish private enterprises. And members of Congress from the Republican side are very much concerned about it. And one of them mentioned that it would be a socialist price-fixing scheme that hurts small businesses and consumers the most. Cheryl, is this just another distraction by Democrats worried about high gas prices and how it will impact their midterm election races? Or do you think that this is a deliberate attempt to create a dangerous price-fixing scheme that will further hurt small businesses and consumers? And what are your thoughts? I think it's all part of the great reset mentality that's being pushed by the World Economic Forum to use the pandemic and use the the cowing of not just American citizens, but citizens of the world that went forth for two plus years, use that to continue to redistribute wealth and put resources uh, where the global elites want to put resources and take resources from those the global elites want to take resources from. This administration, when Joe Biden came into office, had a chugging along American economy that was largely independent on energy. And from day one, what Joe Biden has done has attacked that energy independence. He killed the Keystone Pipeline, which was perhaps one of the most dangerous uh, and irresponsible things he could do, not just for America's economy, the job 
workforce, but for our national security, because it puts other nations, uh, it opens the doors for us to have to rely on other nations for our energy sources again. And look, this is all part of Joe Biden's Build Back Better campaign, which is the exact same platform that the World Economic Forum uses in terms of the Great Reset. They just call it something different. But it's it's a catering to the radical environmentalists, the John Kerry types of the world who see environmentalism as the uh, the problem that needs to be solved for everything, uh, including national security and military issues. And this is Joe Biden's way of advancing that agenda before he gets booted from the White House because he, he's not going to win a second term. So he has to hurry up and rush these things through. Right. And Cheryl, I just wanted to share with our audience, actually, you were very prescient when talking about Winston and the character of George Orwell's novel of dystopian society, 1984, who served as a records editor at the Ministry of Truth, completely rewriting, as you said, completely rewriting media and textbook histories to bring them in line with government views. And the recent attempt by Biden's administration to establish also a ministry of truth through the Disinformation <laughs> Governance Board. What are your thoughts about it? And, you know, are they going to try to reestablish it when the time goes by? Yeah, I don't even know how that disinformation board could stand constitutional scrutiny. It just seems completely opposite what America stands for. And kudos for the uh, American citizenry for rising up in such outcry against it. Because as you're aware, uh, they they disbanded the idea. They, the, the woman who was supposed to be in charge, uh, she got let go. She resigned or was fired or I forget her exact circumstances, but she's no longer in charge charge of that board. And actually, this administration is rethinking the whole idea. But my concern is that they're not rethinking the whole idea because they see it faulty in terms of constitutional alliance, or they think that the premise of the board is wrong. I think they're just disbanding it because the outcry was so great, but they still haven't changed their mind. They still believe that the government has the right to deem some speech worthy versus some speech uh, dangerous or unworthy. So my concern is that the same sort of agenda is going to go forward in this administration. It's just not going to be as in, in a transparent a form. They'll do it. We just won't know they're doing it. Indeed. And Cheryl, we appreciate your service to our nation, serving in the U.S. Army, and also acknowledge and appreciate your husband Doug's service uh, to the nation as well, serving in the U.S. Marine Corps. And we would like to take this moment and remember that just in a few days, we shall reflect on the 78th anniversary of D-Day, the day that 156,000 American, British, and Canadian forces landed on five beaches along a 50-mile stretch of the heavily fortified coast of France's Normandy region and began an arduous campaign that led to the defeat of Nazi Germany. And we all remember that during World War II, some 40 to 50 million people were killed and over 6 million Jews were murdered by Nazi Germany and nearly 300,000 Americans lost their their lives for the great cause of liberty. And President Ronald Reagan shared these words on the 40th anniversary of D-Day when he was there in France. And 
President Reagan concluded by saying, strengthened by their courage, heartened by their valor, and borne by their memory, let us continue to stand for the ideals for which they lived and died. Cheryl, what is your message to our fellow Americans during this time of remembrance of America's great stand against tyranny abroad, the heroic endeavors to advance freedom, and its lessons for us today in America? Well, Ronald Reagan certainly had a way of touching at the soul of America and just bringing forth in just a few words what America stands for. And I guess my message to fellow Americans would be that even though times are dark and this administration is certainly not all a White House administration should be, the fact is the spirit of America cannot be killed. And so long as there are just a handful of Americans out there who are willing to put all on the line, whether it's in the military or whether it's uh, combating a school board in your local community. There are Americans out there to this day who understand what makes America great. And it's the concept of rights coming from a creator and government only being there to serve those in this society. There are so many Americans out there who still will fight for that uh, to this day. And I just want to recognize them and their sacrifices. We thank you so much for your inspiring words and uh, and how you engage with our listeners too with such insightful commentary on the dangers we face today and what individual Americans, conservatives, and the Christian community at large can do. Cheryl Chumley is a best-selling author, commentary writer, podcast host, and the online opinion editor for the Washington Times. And we would encourage our listening audience to seek out the book Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom, which was released in May 2022. It's a bestseller. Uh, certainly check out your platform on uh, Amazon or other platforms, uh, as well as visiting your local bookstore. Cheryl, thank you so much for joining us on America's Roundtable, and we continue to wish you great success in your most important mission. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you. And I include both of you, Joel and Natasha, as those great Americans who carry forth the spirit of America. Thank you for all you do. Thank you so much. God bless. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lanza Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit and our distinguished guest hosts and presenters, the former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and the Honorable Morris McTeague, QSO. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.